What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Tonight, I've got Jeff on, and we are going to talk about uh, some late summer trends that we're seeing. It's, it's a great time of year to get out and throw top water. Uh, good time of year to catch big trout on top water, redfish. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get into some other stuff, too, kind of let you know what we've been seeing on the water. Jeff and I have both been on the water pretty much every day of the week. Um, so kind of seeing those changes, those late summer changes, and uh, definitely some stuff to pick up on uh, no matter where you are up and down the coast of North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, uh, all the way down into Florida and Texas. These are things that as these, you know, the seasons start to change here a little bit can really help you catch more fish. So I want to thank uh, tonight's podcast is sponsored by uh, Berkeley. We got some baits from them that we're going to talk about here uh, that y'all will like and definitely want to get your hands on. Um, Everything's been so hard to find lately uh, in the tackle shops and even online. Uh, But I do know that they do have these in stock right now and, uh, been fishing some of them, really like them. Some of this I had not fished yet, but excited to show that to y'all. But we're gonna just gonna talk about, like I said, the summer trends. Uh, we're gonna have a heavy focus on top water, and that is gonna be tonight's show. So I'm gonna go ahead and bring Jeff on. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. How was your fishing today? Um, it was pretty good. Uh, we had a, a pretty strong morning on top water. First thing, uh, we had. Uh, uh, let's see here. It was pretty low tide actually this morning starting off so um a little bit tougher of a top water bite but we still got a couple um blow ups and managed to land a few um and then finished the day off strong in the afternoon so it was a good day overall heck yeah i actually we call it a fish on top water today it was a white daughter shark um, <laughs> it, was, it was definitely the first white daughter i've ever caught on top water they were like schooling underneath the boat we were fishing out in the ocean for redfish and flounder and um, they they just kept. I was taking uh Menhaden and throwing them like out in front of the sharks, and they were going nuts chasing them. And Menhaden's jumping out of the water, and the sharks chasing around. And so we yeah. did that, and and ended up throwing a topwater to one. And and my my client Paul, uh, who I fished with a good bit, he he hooked him and, and landed him. <laughs> they were recording it. They were watching the video afterwards. And he, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. If Paul catches it on topwater, he's like so fired up. He's like, wow, topwater. Uh, which which was pretty funny and then we very quickly left went and sat on the jetty for a little bit looking for a big red i think we had one pulled one off and that was it Um, but overall pretty slow afternoon for me i'm hoping to change that up tomorrow you kind of had and this is where a lot of people you know i think you're really good at reading the conditions and the day and knowing what you can get away with but like you were catching like you said, you went scouting after your trip today, some stuff you hadn't fished in a while and still had some fish eating top water at like what, like one o'clock? Yeah, yeah, we did. We we fortunately had a, a good amount of cloud cover almost all day. So that really extended that top water bite throughout the afternoon. Um, I don't know if it would have been the optimal bait to be throwing, but still with that overcast conditions, it, it allows you to still be, you know, working that top water plug in the afternoon. Um, you know, caught a couple, had a couple blow ups, but it was a overall pretty good afternoon. Good scouting mission. Yeah. I think that's the, the cool thing about a top water, especially like if you're not dead set on like having to catch a fish, it's such yeah. a good scouting tool because you know, who, who knows if you're throwing like a gold spoon or a spinner bait, like if a fish follows and then doesn't eat it, like you can learn a lot about an area by throwing a top water. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, just that the weight of the lure and being able to cast it really long distances, work it at a faster pace. So you're just covering a ton of ground. For sure. Really have a lot of confidence in, in scouting new areas with it. Do you think that, uh, and this is me asking this question. I, I feel like I know what you'll say, but for, for the, the sake of the podcast, um, do you think that that overcast is the key factor to why you got top water blow ups later on in the day? Or is there some other stuff that plays into it? Um, I definitely think there's some other stuff that plays into it. I've had days where it's pretty bright and sunny and, and I'm hearing fish blown up in the grass and for whatever reason, they're all fired up on, on bait up on the surface. But, um, general rule of thumb, I think on those more overcast days, it's, it's a, you know, it does play a, a big factor. And I think those fish get fired up on top water plugs more so when it's, when it's overcast. Yeah, I would agree. Or low light, even if it's you right, know early yeah. in the morning, late in the evening. That's one thing I haven't done in a while is like topwater fish in the evening. But now that I got a family and whatnot, it's I usually don't get to fish in the evening. I want to be back home. But um, that's a fun bite too, watching the sun go down and having fish eat a topwater oh, yeah. plug is is yeah. 
probably better in the morning. You don't have to work as hard for it. You can just kind of lazily slide out there at like five <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon, start throwing a top water. So personally, what, what, what would you say aside from like low light? So we've already got low light is, is a key factor for throwing top water. Um, what would you say is like the optimal, like tide, wind, wet, other weather conditions, uh, and tide conditions for, for when you're throwing a top water, what are you looking for? Sure. Can it be too high? Can it be too low? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll throw topwater plugs throughout, you know, all tides. Um, but I, if I had to choose one, I'd say a higher tide. I'd say a higher tide in falling because a lot of that bait has just been flushed up into the grass and now it's flushing back out. Yeah. So you have you have bait that's it's coming out of the grass, right? They're up there to get protection from predators, and now they're moving back out as the water's as the water's falling out. And redfish are just typically, and other other fish too, trout and 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 uh, flounder and stuff like that are working those bank those banks and and just blowing up on fish as they're coming out of the grass. So at a higher tide and falling, that's typically my favorite tide to fish uh, topwaters. Um, what else? What else were you saying? Um, no, I think that kind of answers that for the most part. Um, and, and one thing that I, I was thinking, well, I'll just, I was going to try to ask you this so that you would answer this too, but I might just say it myself because, um, f- for myself too, I think one of the, the key fa- or one of the things to think about is like, dependent upon where the, where the tide's at, like, like you said, you can catch them on top water at any tide, but it's it, where you're throwing that top water and what you're looking for can definitely change. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So on like a lower tide, I might be throwing it over like the gut in a creek or like if I'm on a bigger flat, uh, throwing it out off the edge further as to where like if I've got high water, let's say I've got one angler and I'm on my skiff or I'm, you know, one angler and I'm running the trolling motor. If I can get them like right up against the edge of the grass where they can make long cast and keep that bait the entire retrieve like three to five feet off the grass line, that seems to be more effective than like being far away throwing to it because when that on that high falling like you're talking about those fish are hunting right on that edge of grass like if you're yeah. fishing bait on, on a bank like that in that tide you want your bait like a foot from the grass because that's where those those fish are mostly patrolling so just those fish will come to a top water but i feel like at a higher tide 90 percent of those fish if they're not eating it up by the grass they're they're hearing it from there or seeing it and moving off the bank to eat it right uh, do do you what are some other things you might look for like at a lower tide like w- places that you might might throw a topwater plug? A hundred percent. Like it does change where you're throwing that plug, um, depending upon the tide, right? Like you're saying, at a higher tide, you're working it really close to that bank, and as that tide falls out, those fish fall out as well. So a lot of times they're they're in the bends of creeks, little tidal pools and stuff. So just in areas where I know fish are hanging out, I'm kind of casting in those areas. Yeah. You know, a lot of times that's out in the middles of the creeks and not necessarily right up against the banks. Yeah, definitely. So it does, does change throughout the tides. Little little sure. eddies behind oyster bars or points or right. deeper guts. And that those are spots like, you know, when the tide's high, it's easier to kind of find those spots to catch redfish on top water. When it's low, it seems like that might be the time that's a little more difficult. It's like the, the one thing that switches, you know, usually everything's easier at low tide fishing wise, but I would say the top water like at a higher tide is definitely a good way it would be maybe easier i don't know it seems yeah. to be to be easier those fish are maybe you know more drawn to it at that that part of the time i think also also at low tide you get those fish that are really concentrated in areas so a lot of times you get that plug you just get you know maybe one or two fish out of that spot whereas opposed to a little bit higher tide they're they're a little bit more spread out so you'll get you know one fish here one fish there and they're not you know, they're not spent after just catching one. Yeah, one you're not out blowing of the... them out. Educating. Right, exactly. Yeah, that, that, so. that's a good point for sure. Um, it, it really is, I don't know, it's tough. You know, what do you, early in the morning, it's hard. I don't, it's hard. Like that low tide early in the morning, I usually don't find myself throwing a topwater. Like I get nervous about it. I, I usually try to sight fish. I guess that's also what we typically are trying to do anyways, is sight fish if that yeah. tide's low. Um, I, you know, this, this summer I've, I've liked throwing a topwater plug at a low tide early on in the morning. If I know where a group, you know, a couple groups of, of happy fish are. Yeah. Um, 
but I think you you do you're limited in your opportunity, right? I think you get like one, maybe two, out of that group of fish before they kind of catch on and they don't really want to plug anymore. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of time, um, honestly, that happened this morning. We were on a small group of fish. We we I you know I started waking and mudding them, and I was like, all right, we're gonna get a fish here. And sure enough, five minutes later, we got a nice uh, redfish on top water, but. There were still fish swimming around us, but they were they were not wanting that plug anymore. Yeah, yeah, they they so, feel yes. that pressure so much, and they, it seems like they forget less, you know, when that tide's low. Like once they get yeah. uneasy, they they have a hard time settling back down for sure. Uh, yeah. And it's a lot. Like you don't realize at low tide how much, especially like in a creek. Maybe not as much on like a in a bay or a flat, but like in a creek. Once you've hooked a fish, they've heard that top water. The boats kind of rock in a little bit. Um, and, and one thing a lot of people forget, like once they hook a fish on top water, they're all fired up and they're like hopping around the boat and like climbing down. It's like, that's the, all right, you found, you know, you found them at that point. That's like the most important time to be extremely quiet, but it's always like, yeah, high fives and like jumping off the front deck down into the cockpit. Right. And you're like, all right, this spot's blood. Right. Um, yep. that ha- that, that yep. seems to happen quite a bit. Yeah. It's, uh, what's your, do I, what's, your, what's your ideal conditions for top water? If you had to pick a. A perfect topwater day. What would you, what would you say it would be? I would say, you know, one thing that I used to always, you know, be or, or believe the myth of like maybe it's not a myth, maybe it's just me that thought this, but like it has to be like slick calm to throw a topwater plug. You re, you know, you really want it to be slick calm, but some wind yeah. texture is definitely nice. Like not choppy, but like you know, a little bit of texture to break that plug up a little bit. I think it makes it look more natural, maybe. Um, so maybe like five to eight mile an hour breeze, a little texture, not 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 sloppy, but just some texture on the surface. Um, overcast or, or low light conditions, even like especially like an overcast morning. If you can have cl- like heavy cloud cover when it's with like five to seven mile an hour breeze early in the morning with like a mid to high tide rising or falling, um, that's juicy. That's definitely juicy. Yeah. Low um, low barometric pressure. For sure, would be you know I would I used to try to think about those things and like but now it's like you just got to go and try it see what's gonna happen. Well, you're just gonna go anyway, right. right? You're not you're not gonna not go. So it's like yeah, it's fun to look at and make those connections, but at the end of the day, you're going you're going either way. So exactly. Um, um, as far as wind texture goes, do you change the style of your plug based off of those conditions yeah so if it, if it is windier i'll usually throw a, a little bit bigger plug um one thing that that does well for me um in some heavier wind or windier conditions is like a, a one knocker a little bit longer plug um maybe one without a keel like a skitter walks doesn't have a keel but like the skitter v has a keel but the skitter walk has its shape has a little bit more of a keel to it than like a like a spook does or like a one knocker does um, and this new plug from Berkeley uh, is essentially this. It's the same size as what I, as a one knocker, but it's the Jay Walker uh, one twenty. Let's see if I can get the glare off of it. Uh, so they've got two sizes. They've got the the hundred. These are some of the top waters I wanted to talk about. I'm gonna switch over to my just my screen real quick so people can see it that are watching. Um, but the one hundred and the so hard to center these up and the 120 uh both awesome awesome plugs and the cool thing about these these berkeley plugs too is the hooks a lot of hooks you get on top waters like a straight out of the box are pretty garbage or they won't last very long you'll bend them out but really really stout hooks on these they're also doing um this uh prop bait the chopo 120 and they, they've got different sizes of these as well and they've also got a great, they don't have it in the, these are all saltwater, saltwater hooks, saltwater uh, gear on them as far as the split rings and the hooks and all the metal uh, is, is a stainless. But they, they, they make my favorite wake bait. I fished a lot of wake baits and the, the Berkeley, um, God, I'm forgetting the name of it now. It's the, uh, I forget the name of their wake bait. I got a bunch of my boat right now. Um, is my favorite, my definitely my favorite wake bait, and the the paint jobs and the colors and stuff are real creative, a little different, um, maybe some bass background to it. But um, this the, the other cool thing too about this uh, Jay Walker, and I know you know pe- people are kind of back and forth on um, if you want two or three hooks on some of these plugs, but 
especially trout fishing and, and this time of year too this like late summer early early fall uh we're not into early fall yet but we're definitely into late summer um you know you'll be if you're working topwaters in that like two to three foot range you'll start to find these trout mixed in with these redfish not swimming with them but like in similar very similar areas uh, because they're all kind of getting sucked into where those mullet are hanging out where they're getting funneled or where they're getting kind of like you know choked up in a pocket uh, I, i've been catching trout especially in our river uh, in areas I'm, I'm targeting redfish you get kind of a, a softer blow up and really it ends up being a nice trout but uh, having those three hooks is, is definitely nice. Def, definitely, a, you know, it, it, the only part that's not nice about it is if the fish takes it deep or um, if they uh, or unhooking them at the boat. But but the nice thing about the three hooks, too, um, it, with the trout on a bigger plug, like you're able to work a bigger plug. Those, those bigger trout a lot of times are going to eat it. Uh, and you've got that third hook uh, on that bait so that you have a better chance of hooking that fish. Obviously, that's that's what hooks are for, so that's why they put three of them on there. Uh, but but yeah, these, these are uh, some new new plugs that I'm fishing. Real excited about them. I've also got well. Let, tell me about. Let, let's go into this, and I won't just talk about the Berkeley because I do fish other baits as well. Um, this Berkeley is 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 a nice one. What are some of your favorite plugs to fish, Jeff? Um, man, I, I honestly I, I like them all and and um, fish them all really. I think they definitely have a little bit of a different, each one of them has a little bit of a different sound and um, some work a little bit easier than others, but um, man, I definitely like the one knocker. You, you got me on that. That's been a good plug for sure, um, especially on those those um, little windier days, windier mornings, I'll throw that bigger plug. Um, I like the, the mirror lure top dog and the top dog junior. That's always been a really good plug for me. Um, the skitter walks great too. Uh, you know, they're, I think they're all, they're all pretty good. Um, but I, I'd say if I had to choose, choose one, I'd probably do maybe the, the, the mirror lure top dog mirror lure in, top that, dog. in that orange and black color. You and Cameron both really like the mirror lure plugs. Yeah. I see y'all fish them a yeah. lot. Is there anything in particular about that one that you prefer? Like why, why that plug? Um, I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty easy for people to throw. Some of them are a little bit trickier. I also think the, 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 um, the one knocker, isn't there like a, a, a the one knocker, but it's slightly smaller. Yeah. So there's a, there's a head and spook, yeah. which is a little bit smaller Then there's a spook junior. And then there's like the full size spook. I don't know if that's the actual name, but the full size spook's like the three hook head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the spook, but, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head. I just know just by, you know, picking it up, which ones, you know, throw a little bit easier. But, um, yeah, I think those mirror lures throw a little bit easier. It's it's easier for people to walk them a little bit. Yeah, I've noticed the, with that mirror lure how it's got that be- – it's got like a pot belly on it that like sticks down in the water a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think – honestly, think that that almost works like a, a little bit of a pivot point for that plug as you're walking it. Um, yeah, kind of cuts back and forth a little bit easier. Like you can be a little sloppier with it and it'll still walk a little bit. Uh, that's one of the toughest things with top water is it, you know, especially with clients on the boat that might not have worked a top water or, or you think like, Oh, we should start early. We'll get them on a top water bite. But some people, some people pick it up pretty quick and some people yeah. really struggle with getting that cadence and that timing down. Uh, if you could kind of explain, and it's hard to do without a rob, like try, if you could explain how to work a top water, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just here on the podcast, what would you say? I'd say it's a lot like um, rubbing your belly and patting the top of your head at the same time. It's it's definitely a little bit of an awkward motion that's tricky for for most people to get down right off the back. Um, you know, you're you're trying to get this zigzagging motion because you know. Just about all topwater plugs that we use are that that walk the dog style lure. So what you're trying to do is basically get that. We got that one right here. You're trying to you're trying to get that plug just to kind of zigzag as it's being retrieved, right? So what you're doing that is is you're twitching your rod tip kind of like this. I don't know if you can. <laughs> I can see. Yeah, but you're 
you're just kind of twitching your rod tip and you're keeping your rod tip low to the water. It's, it's much easier <laughs> when you're showing somebody with a rod, but you're twitching that rod tip slowly as you're retrieving it on the reel, which makes that action as you're retrieving it. Um, it's funny that the, the like a walk the dog plug. I wonder if I, I'm sure I could find, you know, the history of it, but when it was invented, like, I wonder if it was, I doubt it was invented to like, as a walk the dog lure like i feel like the first plug was probably like oh you know you throw it out and you just reel it and it slides back to you on the surface like that yeah. walk the dog kind of was probably invented later on but it really does seem to outfish like it, there's a lot of styles of topwaters that that are, are fished in fresh and salt water and, and i couldn't say it for the bass world i think that like whopper ploppers like the tail prop baits the chopo and and uh you know some other topwaters frogs and whatnot they might get fished more but it, in, in salt water the pl- the walk the dog plug is definitely the you know the main used top water uh, and there really yeah. hasn't been much experiment but i would say i guess i fish it more than any other two and have people fish it but um i wonder why that plug it does so well and why why it seems to outfish other top waters yeah because you say it looks like a hurt bait fish, but it really doesn't. Like it really looks nothing like a hurt bait fish. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess it does. I guess it looks like a mullet that's kind of been knocked around and is, is zigzagging around. Yeah, you'll sometimes see mullet kind of zigzagging around when they're fleeing or they're kind of spooked. They do that a little bit, especially if you get one that's got a messed up tail or is a little bit injured. But it is kind of rare that you ever see a mullet zigzagging down a bank. You know, it's, <laughs> right. Especially not like your plug, but for whatever reason, it just gets them fired up and sets them off. Maybe somewhat of a, you know, it's like a pissed off reaction bite, right? They just come from five, ten feet away and just absolutely smack it. Those are the best. You can see them waking from from a few feet away. They get up on the surface before they get to the plug. Those are the ones that that people usually set the hook before the fish is really eating it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's when you don't set the hook, don't set the hook, don't set the hook, don't do it. Let him eat it, let him eat it. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I always try to share with people is like keep walking that plug no matter what kind of topwater it is until you feel the pressure of the fish. Then you can set the hook. But, um, you know, so so often it's hard to know, but I I have this theory that like, um, you know, as you're walking, you know, sometimes the fish will blow your bait up and not be hooked at all, but the plug will be underwater still and you don't see it. And then it kind of wiggles its way back up. I really think the plug gets eaten a lot of times the second time underwater, especially like when you have a couple fish on it uh, and you don't really know it. You, you think that maybe that fish, cause, cause there was there, the, the reason this started is there was one time two fish came up on this plug. The guy was walking it. One ate it, like pulled it down and I saw it under the surface. It was really clear water and it was like a foot and a half under the surface and the guy was still walking it and another fish came up and ate it underwater. And, and, oh, yeah. and I think that happens more times than not when you're like, you know, it gets taken down. Like a lot of times when a redfish eats it, even if he takes it straight down, he's pulling drag pretty quick. But you have those weird times where like you're still walking it and then all of a sudden you feel some pressure and it takes off. Like I really think that's a, like a secondary eat underwater. And that's why it's so important to, to continue to yeah. walk it. Yeah, no, that definitely does happen quite often where they where they take it down and, and one spits it or he just doesn't quite connect. And you got another fish nearby that just sees it and just comes up and it's a, yeah 100 percent. keep working that plug making that thing look realistic is is essential yeah the 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 main problem too is if you set the hook too early and you rip it away from that zone you know then yeah, the, there's you're, no, the you're, you're out of the strike zone you got to keep it in there so uh, that's the yeah. biggest thing is just keep working it until you feel that pressure do you change the hooks out on any of your plugs or do you kind of are you like me you'll fish those those hooks and the only reason you change them out is when they get rusty i'm like more like you. yeah sometimes i'll get on a kick i'll like go buy some hooks when i buy top waters and change them out but i wait uh, yeah i pretty much wait till they get they get rusty which uh, i mean a lot of times doesn't take very long what you know? which uh plugs out of the box have your favorite hooks on them hmm i don't know i haven't paid much attention to it it's tough it seems like like mirror lure and like the berkeley plugs they've mm-hmm. got pretty stout hooks straight out of the box right. But then you've got like your your skitter walks and stuff like that, your Apollos, and they aren't as stout, but they're like a lighter, sharper wire hook. Like I feel like that they're a little tackier. Like you'll hook those fish that slap at it, and you'll get on the side of the face and whatnot. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think I like I like those 
those thinner hooks. Yeah. I, you know, I've tried both of them now, and I, I have had a little bit thicker hooks um, lately. And I think that the thinner ones definitely have a little bit of a better hookup ratio. Yeah. I actually got here. Yeah, I feel like your your uh, your longevity of the hook and, and like being able to fish the same hooks longer, those stouter hooks that are definitely going to be the, the ticket, but those, those like nickel hooks, those dark black ones that you'll see in a lot of plugs that are thinner gauge, I, they're definitely tackier. They'll definitely stick those I fish a little better. I have some of those bend out a little bit. Yeah, they'll definitely – got to fish light drag. That, and that's, the, that's another important thing to talk about, I feel like, is – like what kind of rod to throw a topwater on, and, and mm-hmm. I th- like correct me if or, or if you if you feel differently, but um, it boils down to me. One, you want that, you want a rod that's like a topwater is a little bit heavier of a rod or a little bit heavier of a lure, and you know you, you it, people think that you want to fish them on like a really light rod, but you want that backbone. Like some rods will collapse on you. You go to cast a topwater and like you're not going to quite get the distance because it's too soft and it'll kind of collapse. You don't really get that punch back out. Don't have enough power to, to like as it flexes to re throw that 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 bait forward. Um, but you, but you definitely want a light tip like that light tip with the treble hooks. If you've got a stiff rod, you're going to pull hooks on a on a treble hook bait a lot more often than if you've got a lot of give. Uh, you want to give and light drag with trebles. Like you look at the guys that catch 50, 60 pound king mackerels on live bait rigs with treble hooks. They're fishing mono, which is stretchy, and they're fishing super light drag. Like they're, you know, super, super light drag. You could pinch it between two fingers and just pull the drag off their rod. Uh, and that's for that reason of keeping those trebles, you know, keeping that constant pressure but not pulling too hard. You'll pull those trebles mm-hmm. out. Um, what was my question? I like asked you a question and just talked right through it. <laughs> I think you pretty much answered answered the question. It, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Definitely um, spot on with with those rods. You know, you want something that you can you can crank a plug out there, but also something that's soft enough so where you're not going to pull those treble hooks out is is very important. So, I mean, most of the rods really I throw are are pretty universal. Something yeah. that like a medium fast. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is just you know all around can be used for just about everything that we're we're throwing out there sure. so you've been um, getting a little creative with your top waters lately i feel like we all do that like every every year like in the summer you and i me and cameron and oh, mike yeah, are like yeah, sending yeah. each other pictures of like weird top waters that we've gotten yeah i i, I have yet to throw that jitterbug but i want to <laughs> you, you, know, you haven't thrown it uh uh-uh. i've i've uh i've thrown it in the water once but i didn't fish it i just wanted to see what it looked like um I mean, it's got good action. It's a little bit big and, and definitely an aggressive plug, but it does have that zigzagging motion to where you can just straight retrieve it and it still has that motion. Um, I remember throwing those as a kid for like bat, like largemouth and smallmouth bass, the jitterbug. It's an obnoxious bait. It's definitely kind of loud, like a tink tink. It has because it's got that big metal cupped face on it. Yeah. They're pretty like, they've got that metal sound to them, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, yeah. Like it's got I a little tinny like ting to it. It does, especially if you're shaking it. I don't know that it does necessarily when you're retrieving okay. it as much, but it does if you're like it's definitely got a little bit of a rattly sound to it for sure because it's got that big metal plate and those trebles um, hitting on that plate make that that noise. But if the trebles are kind of pushed towards the back, I don't know if it does gotcha. as much. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that. Uh... But, Maybe it would work. Maybe it's a game changer for those clients that can't throw topwaters. I don't know. I'm still trying to find it. For me, it's been the wake bait. The wake bait has been that that key to like you know being able to. Have you found one that doesn't get fouled? Yeah, the Berkeley one. The Berkeley one's awesome. The the really? yeah the the shape of those definitely fouls up, and the and the hooks that come on those six cents ones. They're just the the front hook that lead hooks too big, so it just wraps that front line a lot, and. The, Every wake bait that I've thrown it will still foul for some reason. I guess because the that front it's a shorter bait, so that front hook is so close to the the line. Um, but I've thrown a lot of crankbaits and stuff for bass, and I just don't remember that happening on crankbaits a lot. But it, um, correct me if I'm wrong. If 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 anyone knows why those wake baits foul a lot, please leave a comment because I would love to know and, and fix it up. Like. I'll put I put smaller hooks on and then it just feels like unbalanced and like that hook's not in the right like it's too small but um, but essentially a wake bait like especially on really calm days and I've we've talked about this on the podcast before but those wake baits they're uh, 
a great topwater bait. And they, they kind of disappear in choppy water like they're harder to throw. But they'll still get eaten. Like even if you're retrieving it and it's under the surface and you can't see it, the fish will smoke those things. So you don't have to see it. You'll see the you'll end up seeing the eat, but you won't see the bait. But another good search bait. Um, cast it out. And wobble. Have you messed around much with the sizes of the wake baits? Um, no, but I, I've just got some new Berkeley ones in that are really little um, mm-hmm. that I'm excited about. The six cents one is the biggest one that I fished, and then the Berkeley. God, what is it? Maybe it's a it's a bull wake. I think it's called a bull wake. Berkeley bull wake or wake bull. Or I think it's bull wake. Um, they're like standard, straightforward size one is is. It's like the size of a normal crankbait, like a little square bill crankbait, it, and it, I, I really, really like that one. They were eating it really good the other day, the, and the tr- the way that the redfish eat a freaking wake bait is awesome. Like they, they usually yeah. just smoke it from behind. They don't miss it. It's like just in the back of their throat. And same with the trout. The trout seem to like the wake bait a lot. Have you have you thrown the wake bait much? You got some six cents ones that got pretty annoyed with them, didn't you? Um, I have a couple different ones. Um. I can't remember, even remember what the what the brand is. Um, I'd have to look. Tackle but, Warehouse, late night on Tackle Warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> I got a couple different brands of them. Yeah, a couple of Tackle Warehouse buys. Um, the only thing that I've been able to do is put the rubber bands on them, and that helps with with getting them fouled up. You got those small little rubber bands, the really thin ones, so that if you know if it does need to stretch or break away, it will. But you slide that on the on the plug just to where. Um, kind of the belly of the plug is and you wrap that front treble hook around the belly and it pulls it back i saw i think i saw this dang that's awesome i've never even heard of that so you're just you're kind of like flattening it up to the belly of the bait yeah yeah so the the wake bait um the front hook gets sent back like this right and then you put a rubber band right around this base so that that plug just kind of sits there like that so it doesn't have quite as much freedom as it would without that rubber band, but that rubber band does keep it nice and tucked so it doesn't get caught up on, on your line. So what Judd and I are talking about is, is this front hook is always getting fouled and hooked up on your line right up here, and it just, you know, as soon on the cast. Hands, it's not it's not swimming right. So you have to you know reel it back in and recast, and it happens almost like on some plugs, one in every three casts it feels like. So. On some of those plugs, I've I've tied rubber bands on them, and that has helped a lot. I don't know if it makes a big difference on on the hookup ratio. You know, it's it's hard to say, but it does help with with it not fouling up. So, yeah, it, it, that's a that's a really good trick. Like pretty much the rubber bands, as you talking like braces, rubber bands, like exactly those little circle ones. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, little little ones like that. Yeah, that's a good hack. That's uh, I'll have to get some of those for sure. Um, mm-hmm. need, I might need some for tomorrow. Going top top water fishing in the morning. So, um, where did you find those rubber bands? Did you just get them on Amazon or something? Um, they have. I got a handful of them from Cameron. I can't remember where he got them, but I know that they have a handful of them over at. Uh, Intercoastal Angler. Oh, yeah, they're for like, rigging baits, wanted, like for bridling yeah. baits and whatnot. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just a pack of like a thousand of them. <laughs> I don't know if they have any small packs, but um, they do have some small black rubber bands over there. Okay, sweet. That's good to know. I'm going to have to pick some of those up. Um, while I'm thinking about it, this is another bait that I got from Berkeley. That So this is very similar, if not the same mold. Sabeel was a tackle company for a long time, um, and I know that they were – bought out by pure fishing and this is called the magic swimmer but they have a soft pl- i don't know if they're still making the soft plastic but there was a soft plastic lure as well with like a, a hook that uh like a worm hook that came from here and like came out on the top on the back right there but this mm-hmm. bait is an incredible search bait one it's a great trout bait i've caught tarpon on this down in uh the keys with adam my buddy adam down there um, we've caught them on the soft plastic version, caught trout, redfish, flounder, everything on this bait right here. But this is another, like, if I've got two guys, like I'm really, I'm going to take these tomorrow. I've, I've been out of, out of these for a long time and just got these. Um, but I'm always, I just dropped on the ground about fell out of the, off the couch while I was trying to scoot up. Um, two people throwing top waters in the morning. This is an awesome bait to kind of cover that, that mid water column. Spinner bait's a good bait as well. Uh, gold spoon's a good bait, but like if I'm not focused on like fishing into that flooded grass, 
Um, something like this is a really good way to draw bites. You'll catch trout and redfish on it. And the cool thing about this bait is you can straight retrieve it. Like you can you can pretty much retrieve this however you want to. You can reel it straight back in. You can like twitch, twitch, twitch. It'll kind of cut cut around like a mirror. Excuse me, like a mirror lure. Pause and suspend. Um, but they they got a lot of colors of this, and it's a really cool bait. I don't think I've ever seen a bait that swims better in the water than the the magic swimmer does. It's a really 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 unique action that you get from it, um, and, and, a, and a good tool for searching that middle water column. And a big trout killer, like big speckled trout, will eat that bait and um, about rip it out of your hand. So, have you? Did you ever fish that Sabeel Magic Summer back when Sabeel was a company? No, no, I didn't. That's a cool one. There's some guys that that love them for tarpon down in the south. Really? Yeah, I guess we're in the I south, but but down in Florida. Uh, but but they're Allen's got a pile of. Uh, they make some really big ones, some uh, like seven, eight inch ones. Pretty cool. Expensive though. <laughs> I bet stripers would tear those up. Oh yeah, I think that they're pretty popular for striper fishing in, in some areas. Um, yeah, that's a it's a definitely a very cool bait. I'm trying to think what else? Any other topwater plugs you've messed around with besides? Have you fished any of the prop baits like the like the Chopo or the Whopper Flop or anything like that? No, not so much. Not so much. Um, I mean, I think for bigger redfish. Um, you know, I think there's more, you know, the opportunity with different styles of baits is a little bit broader, right? That thing for big redfish would, would would probably work for our skittish little puppy drum here in Southeastern North Carolina. Not so much. Yeah. That's what I've Um, seen with it, with the prop bait, uh, for small redfish. It seems to freak them out. (laughs) Yeah. They're just. Dark they run away. from it, yeah. But in Louisiana, they freaking tank this thing. They'll they'll eat the mess out of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Louisiana is just a it's just a weird place. There's, I mean, sheep's head eat chatterbaits down there. I think that's so wild. Yeah, I'm 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 sure somebody has caught a, a sheep's head on top water down there at some point. In oh Louisiana. yeah, no doubt about it. That's just a that's a place where dreams come true as far as inshore fishing goes for redfish, black drum, and trout. Um, I was pretty pretty fired up when I saw this thing though for bull reds, like for for Louisiana and whatnot. The hooks that come on this uh, Chopo One Ten are I'm gonna switch over to my camera. Insanely stout. I don't know if you can see there, but there. I mean, I would feel very very comfortable out of the box throwing that to a 30, 40 pound redfish. With which that you know in areas where you've got those big redfish around, like the Pamlico Sound right now, all those guys that are trout fishing up there, like. It's worth putting some stouter hooks on your topwaters because those big red fish will be up there in a foot, two feet of water sometimes, and they'll smoke your topwater plug. I was up fishing with my uh, friend Bud Bishop, Mottridge Charters, up in on the Pamlico Sound the other day, and um, we struggled on the big bulls and the popping cork, but we got shallow and started uh, popping corking for uh, slot drum, and he ended up hooking a a big. 30 pound fish and in like a you know a foot and a half of water was up there we actually were fishing in, in all this bait for big red fish and i would like look over near the bank we're way off the bank and i see like this orange float moving i like have it lined up with one tree and like i see it it gets to the next tree i'm like that's there's a fish attached to that cork in there swimming around so we went in there there's a ton of slot drum up on the bank and then there was some big ones laid up in there too um, but in those areas where like one fish could be you know 20 inches and the next fish could be 40 inches like you want to make sure you've got those stout hooks on your on your plug so you don't bend them out but yeah I, I, it's funny those those bigger fish are definitely more uh more aggressive on what they eat i remember me and alan and adam caught them on a uh, on one of those wake bait rats one time one of those big rats down in louisiana so did you you said you saw a popping cork just floating and moving along the bank yeah did you did you follow it or did you see did you just kind of see it slowly swim off into the distance? No, it kept hanging out in the zone. It would like swim up the bank a little bit and turn around and swim back down the bank. So as we were watching that too, then we saw a couple redfish go nuts on some bait and start blowing some bait up like twenty yards down from it. But it was funny. It was really cool to watch how that fish acted, like to know where he was moving when you couldn't see him. Right. Because there there was this small little depression. It was all like a foot deep. And then there was yeah. this small depression that was coming off the bank where like an old creek mouth was. 
And he would like kind of go up shallow and like look around for a little bit and then come back and you would see the cork stop like where it was like a maybe t- eight inches deeper. And he would kind of lay up in there. And we got in there. Both times we got there, we the first time we hooked a redfish, fought that. That fish spooked, left, like the cork went under for like five, ten minutes. And the next thing you know, like it pops up again and it's like swimming back to that depression and like stops in that depression. And, and what we could learn just in that short amount of time watching that cork, it made me want to go and, and put some corks on some fish in some areas. <laughs> but we could immediately figure out where that school was. Like we'd come back over to where that cork was and there, whether we caught them or not, we would at least mud, mud the group of fish out around the cork. Um, right. So when I was in Louisiana too, this is unfortunate, but we, uh, there's a lot of big redfish tournaments down there. And you'd go up into a pond and you'd see a cork swimming around and we would always like try to throw a jig around the line and like snag the cork and bring the fish in. But every single time it wasn't broken off. Guys were catching those fish out of those schools and taking a needle, like I'm guessing taking like a sewing needle and stitching leader through their lip and putting a cork to it and then letting the fish go. And that way they could roll up into those ponds during those tournaments and know exactly where the school was sitting. Like they didn't have to take the time to fish around the bank. They could see that cork and go over there and catch all the fish around the cork and then leave the pond. But um, three different times we found that. That's, that's messed up. It's messed up, especially for tournament fishing. But man, from a guiding standpoint, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it takes away all the guessing. Yeah, right. But it was uh it was cool to see that that cork continue to come back to that depression like the little nuances like it it would be pretty cool to go into an area, you know, a big bay or something, catch a couple fish, tie some corks to them, let them go and just watch them for like an hour or two and then go, you know, snag the cork and cut it back off just to kind of understand their habits of like how they orient to stuff. Like that fish was you think this fit these fish cuz we just get like little glimpses into their actions like even sight fishing like you just see them for a few seconds and like you oftentimes bump them off the same spots like you don't see them you're like oh crap we should have made a blind cast on the tip of that oyster bar there's always one that i mud out right there but like being able to like step back and see them you know how they move around and what where, where they come back to and how long it takes for them to come back and set up on a spot um, and every time like the first time he was really sh- really tight to the bank in that depression and every time we bumped him he was like a little bit further off the bank, but still kind of coming back to that same depression, which right. is kind of what you see with like the shallow redfish we've got here. It's like you pull down a bank one time, there's fish all over belly crawling. You're like, God, oh, we got to come down that bank again. It was really good. And the next time you come down, there's like a few belly crawling, but you start mudding a bunch like 20, 15 feet off the bank. And then like the third time you don't see them or you know, they're, you're maybe pulling inside of them and they're sitting out deeper. So right. it's a, uh, it's those little things that you can pay attention to, but I was, I, it got me fired up watching that cork and kind of understanding how that fish was acting. But I, I still yeah. can't believe how I saw it. I mean, it was, we were good, like 400 yards away from it. It wasn't a tiny, it was a tiny little popping cork, but a bright orange, it stands out. Yeah. Right. Um, trying to think anything else, uh, topwater wise we can talk about. Hmm. We've got, we've got the, you know, the trout, to talk about a little bit we can get into that i don't know if we want to just talk redfish but um have you had any trout on top water lately i know you don't typically target trout much yourself until until the fall and more of a redfish guy but have you had any yeah, trout bycatch uh, i had one pretty good one this was probably a month or two ago now it was i think like 25 inches he was a he was a fat trout Heck yeah um he was I think between 23 and 25 inches or so. Um, but really just a bycatch was, was uh, casting in an area that I'd caught redfish in um, previously and working across a creek mouth and and right at the corner of the – it was a tiny little gut, and right at the corner of it, um, a trout just came up and, and smoked it. And um, beyond that, nothing really substantial, nothing big. A couple small ones here and there, but, you know, not – you know, like you said, I'm I'm not really targeting trout too much until it starts heating up a little bit. Heating up as it cools down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for me, exactly. this time of year, that that's the one time. Like we're talking about fishing a topwater at low tide, or like the tail end of a falling tide, or the first mm-hmm. of an incoming. 
Um, this is a good time of year to get big trout during that tide, like in some areas that, you know, they're hanging out, pulled off that structure a little bit or pulled off where you might be catching them at like a mid tide. Um, but, but that lower tide, man, that, that, as those mullet are really getting funneled hard, like the, obviously the lower the water, the tighter your mullet are, the more you're seeing mullet get blown up. And that's a good time to catch the trout on, on top water. Um, we've got a, like that rock wall on the river where you get a lot of bait stirred up on that mid to low falling tide or incoming low to mid it's a great time to, to throw a top water for a trout um but it seems like for me like the calmer conditions i definitely do better on the on the trout on, on the calmer conditions um and whatnot but yeah the last thing i think we should get into and, and some people say it totally matters some people say it doesn't some people have confidence in, in some but but color, is there like a, a go-to color you like? Why do you think that color, if so, why do you think that color is, is, is effective? Hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely, hmm. Man, I, I, I do think color matters a little bit. I tend to see, you know, um, I have my favorites. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I think like the, the hot pink is a really good color for me, as well as as you know this color, the the orange and black color, and I, I don't know what it is. Is maybe the contrast as it's going like this throughout the water, and and kind of zigging and zagging back and forth. It just, I think it the fish tend to be able to see it from a greater distance as opposed to some other colors, um, and I think that's really what it comes down to is is contrast, and that can be dependent upon the conditions that you're given, right? Water clarity, uh, light conditions. So picking that color based off of what contrasts well within the environment is is key and what allows you to not necessarily catch fish or don't catch fish, but just increase that opportunity and allow you to catch more fish, For right? Sure. So if you're able to see it from a greater distance. For sure. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I've caught fish on clear plugs where you can – barely barely see the thing and they're just kind of hunting based off of just that you know that vibration and that that energy but more often than not i feel like i'm getting a better you know a better hookup ratio or a better blow up ratio on on plugs of certain colors do you feel like the color has, has anything to do with or what color has anything to do with like the amount of light you have like a darker color in low light yeah. or brighter color and bright during bright what, what yeah how does that yep. affect your choice exactly what you said right darker colors darker environments lighter colors lighter environments yeah. if the water's a little bit more clean and clear and and uh and brighter skies I'll, I'll tend to throw something a little brighter maybe a yellow um or maybe a, a pink or something like that but a lot of times when i'm when i'm fishing topwater plugs it's it's lower light early morning late evening cloudy skies so i'm, I'm fishing that darker orange and black color yeah so Heck yeah. Yeah, I would have to agree. For me, it's like I like a bone white. Yeah. Uh, or like I, I guess it's a bone. It's not a bone white. It's bone colored. Then uh, Spook has this head and has like a like a bone with like a little orange under the chin that I like a lot. Um, it's funny. Like I feel like so much of it is just what we like. Like, ooh, that's a cool looking plug. Like I'm going to throw that one. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter. Uh, but that bone's a good color. Chartreuse is a good color. Like this is a great topwater plug color. Is that like a little orange, yeah. some chartreuse, and some silver? Yeah. Like Skitterwalk makes one like that. Head and makes everyone's got that chartreuse, orange, and silver color. That 808 color you're talking about, um, and then it's the one I dropped. But any any of those natural ones too. Uh, the frog color is a good color. Little chartreuse on the belly or orange on the belly. What's your what would be your favorite color? The one I've uh, the color I've caught the most fish on is probably that 808 color, that that orange belly, gold and black like the skitter walk that that everyone throws yeah. around here, uh, yep. for redfish at least for trout, um, for trout I think a chartreuse and and silver chartreuse and white one knocker probably is, is or a spook junior, it's probably my most productive, um, color and and lure, um, but uh. What's your favorite uh, plug? Would you say, man? Do you have one? I, I haven't fished them for too long, but but the the way that the Jay Walker one hundred, the smaller Berkeley plug works, is uh, I've really liked that plug. The redfish have been eating it well. 
and the colors that they have are just different. Like so there's so many of the companies are just making like the exact same colors and yeah. um, some of the natural colors that they've got. Like uh, in dirty water, I don't think it's too, it doesn't matter too much, but in that cleaner water, I really do think that, that a natural looking bait can definitely, or top water can definitely help you get, get bit for sure. So, but I don't know. There, there's, there's so many good colors out there. They're just, it's tried- fun to have lots of different colors just for yourself to like open your box up and be like, ah, <laughs> I hear you. Um, have you tried any of the Yazuri plugs? Yeah, I have that 3d minnow. Or, yeah. yeah. I've tried that. And that's the one clear plug I have. I've got one clear plug and it's that Yazuri one. I've done good on the like trout, this? like when the trout are on glass minnows, mm-hmm. that, that plug has worked well for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think that I think that's a good wrap up though for our for our late summer top water. We it seems like about three or four times a year we'll try to do a top water um, episode just because it, things can change a little bit. Um, but but as far as where to throw them, go look for for schools of molly getting blown up. Look for areas that they're getting you know stuck in pockets or getting funneled around oyster bars or points and. And whatnot, and, and and just throw that top water, and don't get sucked into an area too long. Like even if even if you got two or three fish in there, or two or three blow ups, like if you go five minutes without a bite, like keep working that bank. That's the cool thing about a top water is it's going to help you find fish. Um, but just keep throwing it, keep working it, and don't set the hook till you feel the pressure. That's right. That is right. Well, dude, thanks for doing the podcast with me tonight, you guys. Um, if y'all want to book a trip with me or Jeff, just hit us up, and and we'd love to get you out and do some top water fishing. Here in North Carolina, it's going to do nothing but get better. we got albacore showing up soon. Do a little fly fishing and sight fishing for albacore. Uh, speckled trout's right around the corner. Uh, speckled trout's I always, you know, everyone thinks fall. You can catch them really good all year, but that, that migratory push of speckled trout is, is just around the corner, about another month, and we'll start to see, see those fish trickle in. Um, so hit us up. I'd love to get you out there. But uh, you got any words of wisdom to leave them with? you got to come up with something. <laughs> oh, man, don't set the hook. You already said that, but yeah, re- reiterating that is that is the most important thing. Don't don't set the hook till you feel that pressure. Just keep ticking. Yeah, don't don't count your fish until they're in the live well. <laughs> there you go. Later, y'all. See you next week.